There is a balm in Gilead. Thank you, Brian and Evan. I'd mentioned, by the way, Brian, uh, he's an internationally known Bells guy, and I did a podcast with him recently where I asked him a lot of nosy questions about Bells. He did a great job. You might want to check that out. Friends, good morning. Welcome to our 945 service on this Transfiguration Sunday. Epiphany has come to a close. Lent is coming this week. My name is James Howell. It's my privilege to be one of the pastors here. So I want to welcome you, those of you in the room, those of you, many more we know, joining us online. It's good to worship God together. And as I look around, quite a few of you are visiting with us. Thank you, goodness, for coming. Uh, You honor us with your presence. I hope you would also honor us with leaving us an email address, a number where we can text you or something and begin the process getting to know you and getting acquainted. Uh, I'd really love that. There's an attendance pad where you can do that, a QR code. Just holler at me, all those things. Uh, We'd love the chance to get to know you better. Uh, I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Taylor Pride Barefoot. Good morning. It is so good to be in worship with you all. Uh, We are grateful that we can gather. Uh, There is one thing I want to draw your attention to. Uh, In March, there's going to be an Enneagram workshop at the church, which is Friday evening and Saturday during the day. And that is an opportunity for spiritual growth and learning, and we encourage you to sign up for that this week. Uh, It's also, this is the week that Lent starts. We will be worshiping together on Ash Wednesday. We will have an 11 o'clock service and a 7 p.m. service in the sanctuary. There will also be a couple other opportunities to receive ashes, so we encourage you to look at the bulletin. Also during the season of Lent, we will have small group opportunities, so this is a really important season in the church, and we encourage you to say yes to being a part of that. So let us join our hearts with God as we continue on worship together.
Church, let us continue to raise our voices as we proclaim our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which is found in your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let us join our voices together as we confess our sins as a church together. O oh God, cast your light in the shadows. Illuminate the darkness in our hearts. May Christ be seen in the church and in our lives. Help us to be the light to the world. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the Gospel. The Gospel reading is Matthew chapter 17, beginning with the first verse. 
And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we are here. If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Dale, thank you for that reading, which includes uh, one of my favorite uh, moments in the Bible when it says, they fell on their faces in awe. They fell on their faces in awe. Uh, my friend uh, Chris Williams, a member of our church, uh, recently, not thinking about the sermon, but he sure saved it, commended a book to me. The title of the book is Awe pretty simple. It's by a guy named Dacker Keltner, and he studied the phenomenon of awe. He sampled people in 26 cultures all around the world, and he asked them, what, what strikes awe into you? you know, what gives you goosebumps? What, what makes you shiver? What leaves you stammering and speechless? He also uh, studied it scientifically, talked to doctors and people, you know, what, what is this phenomenon? Uh, here's part of what he says. Awe is the emotion we experience when we encounter vast mysteries that we don't understand. Awe reveals that our current knowledge is not up to the task of making sense of what we have encountered. Uh, he adds in this book that the way to be happy is to maximize the amount of awe that you experience. We'll get back to that. He also points out that you can experience awe just anywhere at all if you know how to look for it. Now, he dices uh, experiences of awe into eight categories. I'm sure you'll want to keep track of these for the pop quiz at the end of the sermon. Eight kinds of awe that happen. One is uh, in the face of moral beauty, what he calls moral beauty. This is when you see immense courage, when you see immense sacrifice for someone else. You know, you see someone just going way out of their way and a great sacrifice helping some person. Someone overcoming some tremendous obstacle and doing well despite the tremendous obstacles that they have faced. Just immense courage. I think about my uncle getting off a transport and wading ashore to the beach of Normandy. That leaves me awestruck. Black History Month is a great gift to us. There's so many stories that just, you're just in awe. They walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge at Selma. Like, that was amazing. <laughs> the people of Montgomery were willing not to ride a bus for months and months and months on end. There's so many examples of great courage. Moral beauty. 
strikes awe, gives you goosebumps. Uh, he also speaks of what he calls collective effervescence. Uh, his best example of this is you go to a football game, this happens to me sometimes, and they start doing the wave. And I'm kind of grumpy. I'm like, oh, they're doing the wave. And about the second time around, I'm going, oh, it's just great. We ought to do the wave right here. We ought to get this organized. Start in the balcony, wave right on down. Weddings, you go to a wedding, it's collective effervescence. People get teary at weddings, they don't even know why. Maybe you're at a ball game, maybe now this is a collective <laughs> effervescence, loving, worshiping together. Uh, nature, uh, there's so much in nature that if you pay attention to it, it strikes awe. You know, people love to snap photos of sunsets. If you think about what a sunset is, it could strike more awe into your heart. You know, it starts in that fabulous fireball that is the sun, but then that light travels through the cold vacuum of space, and then there are water droplets, and God just arranged things where it refracts through there in a certain way, and there's a rainbow of colors. That's amazing. Mountains, Jesus seems fond of mountains. So many important Bible things happen on mountains. Mountains, if you think about how they were formed, volcanic activity, erosion over millennia to make the mountain what it is. <laughs> mountains, it's so interesting, right? Like they, they inspire awe, but, but there's a little trembling. Like you got to be careful with this thing. You can't just jog to the top. You, you might fall. You know, like God's like that. God is, God is awesome, and, and, you, and you can't just like grab it and master it and take it home with you. It's a mountain. It's a mountain. Nature. My eye doctor is visiting us uh, this morning, and I love it when I go in. He's doing the exam. I hate him messing with my eyes. Drops are just unacceptable to me. Uh, but sometimes he starts, he, they take those photos, and then he starts explaining the intricacies of the eye. I mean, Good grief. It is so amazing. Go home and study that. Read nature. Awe. Uh, there's also a music. We're treated to this all the time. We heard the bells this morning. We hear our choir. It strikes awe. It gives you goosebumps. You just don't have the words for it. Sometimes you just stand and applaud. You know what else to do. Sometimes human design. I mean, I have visited Mayan ruins. I have visited medieval cathedrals. And if you look at these and think about how people so very long ago, they didn't have cranes, they didn't have all the stuff that we have, and they made these buildings that are amazing. But, but it might be some little carving, you know, something that, you know, your grandfather whittled, just a wonder. <laughs> A wonder, design. There's spiritual awe. People have experiences of God. Spiritual awe. There's also uh, life and death, birth. If you're at the birth of a child, I don't know. I don't think you can be in that room and just kind of yawn and go, "Yeah, another day." <sighs> if you see the birth of a child, you're you're awestruck. Tears come. You count the fingers. Like, oh my, God, can you believe that? If you're at the deathbed of someone, I don't know, I don't think you just yawn and go, yeah, yeah, another day. When you're with someone and they die, there's something, the grief may be thick, but there's some, something awful, something beautiful, something, you don't have the words for it. Again, there are epiphanies when suddenly some great realization comes. This transfiguration is an epiphany. The, 
Example that Keltner uses in his book is when the investigative reporters Bernstein and Woodward, finally all the pieces are starting to come together as they're figuring Watergate out. And the last piece comes and they look at each other and they gasp and they say, Richard Nixon's going to be impeached. At Epiphany, they happen. These things give you the shivers, they give you the goosebumps. You don't have words. There's a video that Keltner talks about, I forgot to look it up, but it tells about a guy, he put out a video, it's had like 48 million hits, of course. And he's just, he's just recording a double rainbow, and he's trying to comment on it, and his comment is, whoa, wow. He doesn't go, oh, this is a double rainbow in its form. He's not doing that. He's just overwhelmed by it. It's a double rainbow. Can you believe that? Awe. Oh, yeah. Uh, our problem as people is that we have lost our sense of awe. We have lost our sense of awe. Part of the point of church, part of the point of the life of faith is to recover a sense of awe. We're cynical people. Dale reads you a story about somebody glowing, and as cynics we say, mm, nobody glows. Nobody glows. We think that in two ways. One is just a scientific way, like, you know, I'm trained in science, like skin doesn't glow. If it glowed, I'm, the skin might melt or something. I mean, who knows? My clothes aren't going to glow. They're, they're just, they're made of cotton and polyester, whatever they're made of, right? Things like that don't glow. But friends, let me say to you that if you live in the straight jacket of there's nothing except cause and effect, then you will have a very skinny soul. If all you got is cause and effect, then there's no reason to dream. There's no reason to hope. There's really no reason to love. It's just cause and effect. We become skinny people. The other way that we think that nobody glows is that we've been fooled too many times into thinking that somebody glows, and it turns out that they don't, right? A politician comes on the scene. This has happened to you, you know, and you think, oh, she's the one. She is fabulous. But then there's some scandal, something happens, and you go, oh, another one. Like, nobody glows. You know how people, you know how people are. Nobody really glows, they all get debunked. But then when that happens, all we're left with is uh, blame and anger or maybe guilt, like I don't glow either. And if you have only blame, anger, and guilt, then there's no awe, there's no hope, there's no dream, there's no awe. What's interesting, uh, Keltner studied this, as I mentioned, across 26 cultures. <laughs> and he makes the following observation. People get the goosebumps for lots of reasons, but across 26 cultures all over the world, when he asked people about awe, not one person out of all the thousands he talked to, not one person mentioned money. Not one person mentioned anything they had purchased. Not one person mentioned Facebook. Not one person mentioned television. Not one person mentioned my cell phone and the things I see on my cell phone. Isn't that interesting? Across 26 cultures, he interviewed a lot of people, and when he asked them about their experience of awe, when they experience awe, their egotism, their self-criticism, their judgment of others, and their anxiety, all those things settle down. 
Like it's hard to be judgmental of others when you are experiencing awe. It's hard to be self-critical when you are experiencing awe. Uh, Lisa and I, the day before yesterday, had a, a totally unexpected and stunning experience of awe. Uh, we were in New Jersey uh, for a brief vacation. The night before, we'd gone down to the bar of the bed and breakfast where we were staying, and I was kind of whining to her and apologizing to her because I'm the master trip planner. If you travel with me, we know where we're eating, we know what we're going to do through the day. It's all scheduled. It's all great. It's good. I had planned for Friday a day of outdoor activities, and you look at the weather, and it's going to rain all day long. Like, Oh, and I hadn't made a rain plan. So I'm like, honey, I'm sorry I didn't make a rain plan. What are we going to do? Got a whole day in New Jersey. Somebody next to us in the bar says, you ought to go to Robbinsville. I'd never heard of Robbinsville, New Jersey. He said, well, not actually Robbinsville. It's kind of out in the country from Robbinsville. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, there's a Hindu temple there. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was something in his voice. There was some awe in his voice. And he said, it is the most splendid building I have ever seen in my life. And I didn't say, how much do you get around? But there was something in it, and I didn't have another plan. So Lisa and I said, well, let's go to Robbinsville. Well, actually, outside Robbinsville, and go see this Hindu temple. And we went there. I don't have the words for it, except to say to you, this is the most splendid spiritual space I have ever seen. And I've seen a lot of them. I've traveled all over the world to see spiritual places. When I go anywhere, I find the local spiritual space. I don't have the words to describe this temple to you. It was, it was astonishing. Everywhere we went, I'm, I'm trying to talk to Lisa about it. I'm trying to go, Look, all you can do is point. Like, Look at that. Look at that. All these intricate carvings. And it was, and, and they did most of this by volunteer labor and small donations. They did this thing. And it's just everywhere you turn, there, there's something that's amazing. But then there's something of, it was just I just had awe. No words for it. No words for it. I think it's why uh, Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you need to become like a child, right? Children aren't cynical, like, oh, children, they're, they're willing to be awed, like, wow. Do you see that dandelion? <laughs> become like a child. We've lost our awe. Uh, Jesus, in this moment, uh, they fell on their faces in awe. What happened? Like, what was the shining? What was the shining? Was the shining that, that, like, his skin actually glowed somehow, or his clothes glowed somehow, or was it one of those kind of moments where where everything came together about Jesus' story? That, that like, finally in that moment, on that mountain, in that perilous place, it was on the top of a mountain, and Jesus is there, and maybe it all came together. They thought, oh, yeah, his birth and his teaching and his healing, and he says he's going to go and die and be raised, and it's like. The light came on, it all came together. Now, thinking about that story, by the way, uh, when we were at the Hindu temple, the volunteers there were uh, amazing. I wanted to bring them back here to be our greeters. Everybody in that building, was they were so glad to see us, and it was so genuine. We were so glad that you were here. They, they could be United Methodists. They said, we are here for all people. They said all people 47 times. It was great. I'm like, I'm Methodist. I get it. <laughs> We are here for 
all people. I know Christians who would say to one of those Hindus, you know, you're just so wrong. We're right. You're just so wrong, but I'm standing in this splendid place that they, they did that for God. <laughs> like, what have I done for God? They did that for God. I think God is honored. I think God is pleased. I think anytime people are in awe or people do something amazing for God, I think God is pleased and honored. We have this special story in Christianity, and it's hard to believe. You know, what we believe is that, you know, God, he came as this infant. Like, that's what Christmas is about. Like, God didn't stay up there. God came as this infant, and, and he died. He entered into our mortality. And that is hard to believe. And if somebody doubts it, I get that all day long. The Bible acknowledges, like, this is craziness. This is a scandal. Who could believe such a thing? It's hard to believe, and it's, um, it's wonderful to believe at the same time. You know, do you ever have one of those moments, by the way, when, like, everything comes together? Like, I think in that moment, the disciples saw Jesus, and, and they got it. Up to that point, they'd been confused about him. They'd seen him. They'd been with him, but they were confused about him. But in that moment, it all came together. Does that ever happen with you? You ever had that happen with someone? Is there someone you know, and then something happens. Something is said. There's some circumstance, and you look, and you go, oh. And you get that other person. I don't have the best illustration of this, but I think about my father on his deathbed. He'd always been a tough man. Tough. There on his deathbed, my sister and I got this glimpse of he, he seemed tender-hearted. He seemed compassionate. He had some expressions of, of love and care, and I thought, it would, did that just pop into him in that moment? Hadn't it always been there? It was hidden from us. It was hidden maybe from him because he had to be. Sometimes it all comes together and you get a glimpse. You know, when uh, Jesus is uh, transfigured, the Greek word translated transfigured is a Greek word that you could translate if you could make out the Greek letters. It's the same as the word metamorphosis. You know what a metamorphosis is? You learned this in science. And maybe you've seen it in your backyard. There's this, there's this cocoon, right? There's this, it's a gray, crusty thing. It, doesn't look, it looks like something I'll just throw away. Like, ooh, it's, it's, it's kind of like a rock, dusty. It's not, not much in it. But it turns out that in, in there, it's always been there. You don't see it. That thing morphs into like this thing with, that's beautiful with wings, and it flies away. Like, it, it was there, but then it becomes real. It's amazing. It strikes awe into us. Uh, how should we say it? So Lent, I'm rethinking uh, how to define Lent. Lent starts this Wednesday. Lent is a season to cultivate awe. Lent is a season to cultivate awe, to find it. We talk about giving things up for Lent. I think there's some clues in uh, Keltner's book about awe, about what we give up. Um, you know, the, um, across 26 cultures, nobody said, uh, my, my smartphone strikes awe into me. 
Facebook strikes awe into me. Maybe God wants us to like unplug that stuff and just like put it down. I've had days before when I've gone on a trip and I get half an hour from home and I realize, oh, I forgot my cell phone. It's like, it's just panic. Like, you know, I forgot my heart. I forgot my lungs or something. And you go and you get home and lo and behold, you survive. Like, it's just shocking, isn't it? that this can happen as long as we're connected and available that we're not connected to what might strike awe into us we're not available to god we're not available to beauty and to wonder uh, what do we give up we're so busy we're as you get older i said this recently and somebody had a smart elegy remark i said you know as i get older and somebody said to me dude you've already done it <laughs> thank you Hope to keep getting older. Uh, as I get older, one of the things that I notice, everyone notices this, is that as you get older, time goes faster. And if you're older, you like you're nodding, like, oh yeah, you get that. Young parents are 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 it it's it'll make you apoplectic how fast the time's going by, right? Like you got a third grader, and then they're graduating high school, and that was like 10 minutes. So time is just flying, and I've tried to figure out, what do you do about time flying? And, and the world's recipe is to get busier and busier and busier and cram more in, and then that'll, you know, that just makes time go faster. And my saying is, since time flies, the only way to slow it down is to slow down. Since time flies, the only way to slow it down is to slow down. Uh, it's to be uh, curious uh, as I get older. Here's the other thing. Uh, I hope to remain curious. I've known older people, like people in their 90s. Do you know these types? And they're still very curious. Like, I want to grow up to be like that. I know a lot of older people. They're no longer curious. Do you know these types as well? They've got everything figured out. They're happy to tell you what they have figured out. And what you haven't figured out, they're happy to inform you and correct you of what they have figured out. If I become that kind of person, kick me. I do not wish to be, I want to be curious. Like, tell me more. I want to learn. If we can be curious, then we can have awe. Awe. It inspires you to be better. You know, again, Black History Month. It inspires me to be better. I think about John Lewis. Twice in his young life, he had already been beaten within an inch of his life, and yet he walked across that Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, because he wanted to change the world and wouldn't rest until it happened. Ella Baker, nobody's heard of Ella Baker. She's one of the most important people in the civil rights movement. She worked in the basement. She thought, it's got to be a grassroots movement. It can't just be like the Martin Luther Kings and the John Lewises. It's got to be a lot of people doing some little thing where they are to make a difference. She organized grassroots activity. She makes me want to be better. She makes me want to be better. Uh, thinking of Robbinsville, I know a pastor who lives near Robbinsville here in North Carolina. I thought it was the only one, right? <laughs> she told me a story one time uh, that um, if she's ever wearing something and somebody says, wow, I like those earrings, I like that necklace, she just pulls it off and hands it to him. She told me this, I'm like, wow, Karen, that's great. I really admire that. I walked away from talking to her, and I had to go to the bank. I walked in the bank. I'm doing my business with the teller, and he looks at me, and he says, dude, I really like that tie you're wearing. I'm like, dang. <laughs> what choice did I have? 
I pulled off the tie. He was delighted. When you see good, it makes you want to be better. It makes us want to be a different kind of church. I want to go back to that bar where Lisa and I were at the bed and breakfast, the way that unfolded. You know, I was just whining. The guy next to me could have ignored me, but, but he didn't. And what he actually said was, you got to go to Robbinsville. They've got the best pizza in America at a place called De Lorenzo's. Really? Well, we had to eat lunch. We went to De Lorenzo's. They have the best pizza in America in Robbinsville. Who knew? And then we went outside Robbinsville, and it was the most spectacular building ever. See, all he said was like, you got to try this place, and then you, you got to see this. I want us to be that kind of church. You know, some churches try to be, you know, we're, we're here for us. Or that guy, he could have ignored me in the bar. We'd had a bad day the next day and would have missed the Hindu temple. Uh, some people, they, they judge other people. He could have thought, a doofus, he didn't think of a rain plan. What's wrong with him? Churches do this all the time. We judge people outside the church. I think God wants us to be the kind of church where we say to somebody, you've got, you got to see this. There's this place. There's, there's this God. There's this story. There's this community. Like, it, 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 it'll change everything. You'll, you, you'll never forget it. You've you got to see. I want us to be that kind of church. And I think if we could be that kind of church, I think if we could be those kinds of people, I think if we could slow down and get disconnected and look for awe, it's all over the place. God has strewn awe all over the place. And when we notice that beauty out there, it will strike us dumb and we will discover the beauty that is in here, that it's like that cocoon. It's all cased in over who we are as an exterior, whatever it is that we are, that, that beautiful self can emerge. And we might just fall on our faces in awe, which would be a glorious thing. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us go to God in prayer. Spirit of the living God, we gather in your house to worship and praise you. In you, we encounter hope that never ends and grace that perseveres. So enable each of us to hear your calling in our lives to grow into a person who humbly discerns what to do in the light of your will and your desires for each and every one of us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We always make time for the things we value most, so we ask for your forgiveness for when we neglect to take time to love your words and to love your world as you command. Teach us your truth. And we are in all. And may we speak of your truth, not with harshness, but with mercy and joy. Discipline us in spaces of our rebellion and resistance. Forgive us for not recognizing hope in the midst of disappointments and trusting in your resurrection, even in the midst of suffering. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we do lament for all your children who suffer this day, our sisters and brothers in Ukraine, Syria and Turkey, 
countless people still wounded, suffering, displaced, refugees around the world seeking a new home, people in our nation, in neighborhoods, in need of food, shelter, and safety, people in our own nations harmed and even killed by gun violence, including in our city of Charlotte. The list goes on and on and on. What will you have us to do, O God? How may we be the faithful hands of Christ for those so desperately in need? So free us of our clenched hands so that we can be intentional, generous, hospitable, and sacrificial in our reaching out in the name of Jesus to share your good news. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O God, we trust in your goodness at all times, in all places. And it is because we trust in your goodness that we are able to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us to stay our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, it is through your intentional generosity and God's continuous goodness that empowers the ministries of our church near and far. As Pastor Taylor mentioned earlier, Lent is upon us. Ash Wednesday services on Wednesday. Small groups that begin a week from tomorrow. And there's a Lent devotion that you can pick up on your way out. All these things for which we give thanks. Let us receive our morning tithes and offering.
Loving and gracious God, you're a giver of all good things, and we stand in awe of your goodness in our lives and in your world. So we offer a portion of that which you've given to us so that these gifts may be used to share your good news, to strike all in your people near and far. Thanks be to God. Amen. been good to be together in God's house this day. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.